Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, there was a weekend for you. The Jazz win. Don't look great doing it and lose Donovan Mitchell for a couple games. We'll get into that coming up in the Best of the Jazz post-game show later in this hour. But Donovan had some back issues, had to leave the floor, had to go to the locker room, came back, scored, played well, but also looked really uncomfortable at times. Clearly was stretching, was wincing, was getting uh, some kind of treatment on the bench, it looked like, briefly. Uh, It wasn't great. And... Anyone can have their back tighten up, but I think back injuries with athletes freak everybody out. They sit on planes a long time. That can be a problem. A lot of careers have been ended. Locally, Mark Eaton, uh, Hall of Famers, uh, Larry Bird. Uh, but back pain's a problem. Anybody who's ever had it knows it's a big problem. So this doesn't sound like much, but you know, for a guy in his mid twenties, that doesn't doesn't seem great. And then he's you'll hear him say he'll point it out. You know, he felt better, and then he went up and dunked, which he could have just laid it in if he was protecting his back. So you don't have to get completely up in arms over this, but I also don't think it's something just to be blown off and ignored either. See where it goes from here. Doesn't have to be awful. Doesn't have to have have a big impact on this year, but it could. It could. You know. It's, you run into a pick, you get hit by a, a bigger guy, and, you know, in the NBA, most guys are bigger guys. We'll see how this goes. They did get the win. They are 11-2 and two in their last 13 games. But as great as that is, and any 11-2 and two stretch is good, the eyeball test doesn't match up. The record doesn't match up. You know, the Jazz record isn't as good as the Warriors, and the Jazz record isn't as good as the Suns. they got three more losses in both those teams. And they also have stretches where they just look really vulnerable. And if a team like the shorthanded Mavericks can get a 16-point lead, what would another team do? What would a better team do? If a shorthanded team like the Mavericks with no Doncic and 10 players can be down 10 in the fourth quarter and come back and make a game of it, what might the Suns do? And I think that's what's eaten at everybody. And Quinn addresses that, sort of, coming up. And the fact is, if the Jazz were blowing everybody out by 30 and looking great, even if they hadn't lost three or four games at home that they have lost, they've lost six total, and I don't think they'd be unbeaten at this point. But assuming they'd won two, three, or four of those and were right there with the other teams, we still wouldn't know anything for sure. But we'd feel better. We'd feel like there was a better shot. We probably won't know anything for sure until we get to the playoffs. But we'd feel like there's a better shot. Uh, as far as the football, uh, interesting weekend in the National Football League. Uh, we will get to uh, that coming up, and we're seeing bowl games go away pretty quickly now. And it's got to make you wonder about the Rose Bowl. Now, they're playing other games. So it's not like every game's going away. But it started with the Hawaii Bowl on Christmas Eve. That got shut down. And now we've got several more that have been shut down. So we get to all of that coming up. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Stay with us. All the football, the college, and the pros coming up next right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, that was a real interesting week in the National Football League. A lot of stuff going on there. There are teams that are picking up speed, teams that are uh, playing better, teams that are falling apart at the worst possible time. What is wrong with them? Uh, Several games caught my eye yesterday. If you want to start at the top in the AFC and NFC with the teams battling for the one seeds, Green Bay, we were just talking about the Jazz. You know, why don't you drop the hammer? Well, a win is all you get credit for. Now, Green Bay was sweating it out there in the end in a two-point game when it looked like 
Aaron Rodgers had three touchdowns, 200 yards passing at halftime. It looked like he could have had four or five touchdown passes, 350, 400 yards when it was all said and done, and he didn't. They really took their took their foot off the gas, but they won the game. And what does that matter? If they win their last two games, they're going to be the number one seed. They've got the better record. They've, they're, they're set. All they got to do is keep winning, and they'll get a first-round bye and a second-round home game. They've been in the NFC title game the last two years. They would have to win one playoff game to get there for a third straight year. So, it wasn't as pretty as it could have been. Now, the team, if you're looking for a parallel, the Cincinnati Bengals playing the Baltimore Ravens for first place in the AFC North. And Joe Burrow basically has the same kind of first half. Actually, had a little better half than Rodgers had, if you can believe that. Instead of three touchdowns and 200 yards, he had three touchdowns and almost 300 yards. And he kept it going. He threw a fourth touchdown pass. He threw three in the second quarter and one in the fourth. And he threw for 525 yards, which is a Bengal record and one of like the top five yardage passing performances in NFL history. And it's funny because the storyline going into that game was, oh, no, the Ravens don't have Lamar Jackson. And they don't have that young Tyler Huntley kid who looked so good. Of course, we've seen a lot more of him here because we watched him in college. So we got a lot of Ute fans following him and pulling for him. And uh, what are they going to do? It wasn't about the Raven offense. It was about the Raven defense. Defense. I mean, 525 yards. I mean, they gave up a 68-yard touchdown pass. There's just a guy running down the field by himself. Now, we actually are starting. We're getting to the point of the year where we're seeing more of that. We're seeing guys wide open. And mostly, they're on teams that have been decimated by injuries and teams that are out of the playoffs and have nothing to play for. And guys lose their focus and blow coverages and let guys run wide open for touchdowns. <laughs> But that's not the Ravens. The Ravens are supposed to have a really good defense, and the Ravens are playing for first place in their division. And if they don't win their division, they're still set up well for a wild card. Wow. None of that mattered. Guy running downfield all by himself. (laughs) Not a good look. Uh, One of the other games where we saw people running around wide open – the Bucks beat the Panthers 32-6, to and Brady, <laughs> Brady's just got guys running wide open by 5 or 10 yards. The Panthers are clearly in I-don't-care mode. That was not, that was not good. Uh, some, of the other, uh, some of the other big dogs, oh, the, uh, the Bucks did win their division, so that's, I mean, we all knew it was coming, but now it's official. They win the NFC South. Uh, Dallas is blowing everybody out, just annihilating Washington. That was humiliating, the way they just went – Play after play, possession after possession. It's like 14 nothing, and Washington won, had run one play, and it was an interception. Dallas wins 56-14, so they're going to win the NFC East. Tampa Bay is going to win the South. The Rams have taken over to lead in the West. That was not an impressive win, and Minnesota's a half-decent team. But the Ram defense is stoning Minnesota. I mean, they, Minnesota's got nothing going on offense. But Stafford's got three interceptions, and one gave the – Gave the Vikings the ball at the 10, and the Ram defense held him in and kick a field goal. The other gave the Vikings the ball like the one or two yard line, and they punched it in for a touchdown. So it's 13 10 in the third quarter, and it's turnovers that are keeping Minnesota in it. Now they got a big punt return, and Odell Beckham Jr. caught a touchdown pass. So the Rams win 30 23. Their game in front of the Cardinals, and the Cardinals are just coming apart. Three straight losses. They've lost five out of eight. I think they'll get in as a wild card. You know, we always hear about the team nobody wants to play. Yeah, well, the Cardinals are going to be the team that everybody wants to play. And this is three straight seasons that they have started fast, gotten to the end of October, and fallen apart. They were 7-0 and this year. This is probably the most dramatic year, starting 7-0. and And now just the, the wheels are coming off now. It just, it's, uh, it's not a good look.
it is not a good look. They've only won three games since then. And they got to play the Cowboys next week, so that ought to go well. The uh, absolute uh, collapse of the week. I want to nominate Pittsburgh. Uh, they get blown out by the Chiefs 36-10. to 10. That's another game that got out of hand early. It was 23-0 at halftime. The Chiefs just didn't seem to have anything. They got one touchdown. They got it late after the game was over. It's a total garbage time TD. And Washington obviously got blown out by Dallas and looked awful. But the Chargers, who looked like not going to win the division with Kansas City winning eight games in a row, um, but they were set up to get a wild card and get a decent wild card, and they lose to the Texans. They give up 24 points to Houston in the fourth quarter. They were down going to the fourth quarter and just completely fell apart. They were down 17-15, give up 24 points and lose the game. Had a pick six mixed in there. As always, interceptions are an issue uh, in a lot of these games. Turnovers were definitely an issue. You know, Kyle Winham's been preaching forever, and it's just true up and down the NFL. You turn it over, and you got a chance to get beat, and it happens over and over. The Rams escaped it. The Rams, they were the exception to the rule. Man, the Colts. You're looking for a team that's coming on. Now, nobody's as hot as the Chiefs, and they've won eight in a row. And now the Patriots, I think, have won seven out of nine after they got beat by the Bills. Um that was a strong performance by Buffalo to go into New England and win. And, and New England ran the ball, but Mac Jones had a terrible day. He was missing guys who were wide open, just wide open. Hunter Henry, and he and Hunter Henry were dialed in. And they got him off the deck a week ago against Indianapolis, a couple of touchdown passes. Henry's running wide open 20 yards downfield. It looked like one of the routes he scored a touchdown on. It was a similar kind of throw. Ball didn't come within five yards of him. It's shocking. NFL quarterbacks are so accurate. Even, even the average guys are usually so accurate. Nope, not even remotely close. It was not good. Uh, but you got to give it up to the Colts now. They've, they've won eight out of ten. And they are they are red hot. The Patriots are pretty hot. And the Chiefs are, you know, well, they've won eight in a row. Nobody's hotter than that. But, man, the Colts, nine and six now. That was a terrible, terrible start. They lost four of their first five games. But uh, they're cooking now. And they beat the Cardinals. And they are, the Colts are looking good. So, uh, a couple other games. Haven't mentioned Zach Wilson yet. The game didn't mean anything because the Jaguars have two wins. The Jets have three wins. I saw a lot of you calling it the Clorox Bowl and the Toilet Bowl on social media. And the Jets got the win. They improved to 4-11. and 11, And Zach Wilson breaks off a 52-yard touchdown pat, or touchdown run on a third and five. He's in, in trouble, and he scrambles away. And it looked good doing it. And then just takes off down the sideline, bobbing, and weaving, and... Uh, and get into the end zone. So, heck of a play. The stadium was probably third full, maybe half full. And I don't think it was half full. I would guess about a third full. And um, But the people there were going nuts. And then he took him down the field and got him a uh, – a touchdown and a field goal in the fourth quarter. And the touchdown pass on fourth and goal um, to Connor McDermott. And that was a that was a big-time play right there. They had uh, – they had to get something. They had it at that point. It was a one-point lead, and he got them into the end zone. And then they added a field goal late, and they win uh, 26-21. So it's not going to be a great year for the Jets. That team has got a lot of holes to fill, a lot of places to get better, but at least a, a little bit—not a lot, but a little bit of positivity and uh, and a win there, and a little hope of uh, you know a little hope of uh, something to come there. So uh, let's see. Any other games to get to? Seattle was eliminated, but we already knew they were out. Miami and New Orleans tonight. New Orleans with a win, 
would be 8-7 and seven and would be tied for that last wild card in the NFC. But Ian Book making his first start, it doesn't seem like they're going to do it. <laughs> Miami ought to win this. It's in the Superdome, so you never know. Maybe they get some turnovers, some field position early. Obviously, it'll help if they can run the ball, maybe get some short fields in there, turnovers, special teams plays, whatever it takes. Um, but it doesn't look good right now. does not look good. All right. Uh, there's the Monday Night Football game tonight. Now, the college bowl games, a little college football. We promised to talk about that. If you're a Ute fan and you're not sweating the Rose Bowl right now, I don't know how that is. You're, you're finally in the game. You've won the conference. You'd like to play in the game, sell out crowd. The sun is supposed to come out. It's been raining in California. It's been raining a lot. Um, it's going to continue to rain. <laughs> They're going to get a lot more rain in the next few days. But it's supposed to start to taper off on the 30th, clear up on the 31st, partly cloudy on the 31st, and sun on the 1st. We'll see if the forecast changes here going forward. Um, if there's one thing that Sterling Polson's told me uh, over and over again, the forecasts get a lot better 48 hours out. There's a lot fewer maybes and a lot less hedging. So let's get to, uh, let's get to Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and the forecast will continue to get more accurate. But... Right now, it looks like it's going to be good. So the question is, can both teams stay healthy? Can both teams avoid avoid COVID? Because we saw the Hawaii Bowl canceled. Hawaii had an outbreak on their team. Now, they didn't blame it just on COVID. They also said they have injuries and they have guys in the transfer portal. So you can lose your depth and lose your numbers at certain position groups for lots of different reasons. Um, and COVID was just one of the three Hawaii mentioned. Uh, we know transfer portal and injuries can be a factor too. So Hawaii and Memphis didn't play. Memphis got a trip out to the islands, took the trophy home apparently, and they got to go to Hawaii, but they didn't get to play a football game. Uh, now today, another bowl game has been wiped out. Uh, Wednesday, a bowl game has been wiped out. And Friday, it's the military bowl today. BC's got an outbreak, so they can't play. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall's last game at Virginia uh, was supposed to be their bowl game on Wednesday in, at Fenway um, at Fenway Park, but that bowl game's been canceled because Virginia's had an outbreak, so UVA doesn't have enough guys. So Broncos now done at UVA and that whole staff. Some of them landed jobs, and the offensive guys uh, have started landing jobs, and we'll see if a few more guys can land some jobs there. Um, and then Friday, the Sun Bowl. Uh, Washington State's supposed to play Miami, but Miami's a no-go. Now the Sun Bowl is still looking for someone to come play. Uh, SMU just got left high and dry. Uh, they were going to play in one of those bowl games that got canceled. I think they were going to play Virginia on Wednesday. Would they play Washington State on Friday? It limits your prep time. It's not the same thing. They are a Texas team. I know El Paso is the other side of the state. Um, in a different part of the country, they might be three states away. <laughs> but in Texas, yeah, it's the same state. Um, you know, and can they get some of these games off and let these kids play and have one more, you know, one more time out there and all that stuff. So that's intriguing to watch this and see which other bowls are going to get hit. It's hard to believe no more will get hit after these three. Um, but will the Utes be able to get the Rose Bowl in? I think a lot of the teams that played the early bowl games ought to, uh, you know, thank their lucky stars and all that stuff. Um, you know, BYU got their game in. Utah State got their game in. They played on that first Saturday, the second day of the bowl season. Um, it's going to be a little nervier here as we get closer to New Year's. Obviously, the Rose Bowl, the semifinals, uh, but other bowls too, the, the Sugar Bowl and, you know, on down the line. So... If you're a little nervous right now, we got a discussion going about this on our Facebook page. And, man, there are a lot of BYU fans who hope it gets canceled. But, see, the thing is, if you're a BYU fan, I think you're thinking Ohio State can blow Utah out. You don't want to let them off the hook, do you? Apparently, a lot of them do. And Ohio State leads the – we haven't been breaking it down a lot because the game's been so far away. We'll do more of it this week. But here's just a couple numbers for you. Ohio State leads the country in yards per game. 
at 551 yards. Now, a lot of people think yards is the big thing. Some people say points. Well, they lead the country in points, too. 45 points per game. So 45 points and 550 yards is a normal game for Ohio State. Can you slow that down? Can they offset it by running the ball away Oregon and Michigan did? You know, both those teams ran for over 250 yards. Michigan almost ran for 300. They got real close, didn't quite get there. So those are the questions for the Rose Bowl, assuming they play the game. Uh, we'll get to all your comments, all your feedback coming up a little later. Right now, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the Utah Jazz, they got the win. Not everybody felt great about it. And uh, the head coach knows that, and Quinn Snyder had something to say about it. And we'll get to that coming up. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz get the win. They beat the Dallas Mavericks 120-116 to 116 on Saturday. Actually, they, they got a couple wins, too, because we weren't on the air Thursday and Friday. And the Jazz won uh, on Thursday as well. So the Jazz have a nice little three-game win streak. They have won 11 of their last 13. And yet I don't think any of you feel really good about the way this is going. Jazz have the third best record in the West. They also have the third best record in the NBA. They're half game in front of the Brooklyn Nets, who lead the Eastern Conference. So the top three records are all in the West. It's the Warriors, who had the big win over the Suns, head-to-head on Christmas Day, and still don't have Klay Thompson back. The league is chasing the Warriors again. The Suns are a half game back, and then the Jazz are three behind the Suns, three and a half behind the Warriors. And there's another half game to the Nets, who have the best in the East and the fourth best record overall. So the Jazz are sitting in a very good place. And it's true that if they had beaten some of the teams at home that we all think they were supposed to beat, looking at you, New Orleans, looking at you, Indiana, looking at you, San Antonio, maybe Washington, too, they could have the best record in the league. Now, what everybody really wants, what the ownership wants, what the coach wants, what the front office wants, what the players want, what the fans want, and what the media wants so the Jazz to win it all. To win a championship and to one time bring the trophy home, have the parade, be the kings of the world, right? Even if the Jazz had won all these games that, not all, but at least some of these home games they've dropped that look totally winnable, that look like they really messed them up. And even if the Jazz had won some of these games that they eked out more decisively, and I would say that the game Saturday against Dallas was definitely eked out, 120 to 116. They won by four. They could have won by 24 pretty easily. Why were they down by 16 in the first quarter? Why did they build a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter and then give up a 10-2 run and find themselves in a two-point game with four minutes left against a team that was missing their star player in Luka Doncic? Missing 10 guys, including several critical starters and or role players. Why were they in a game with these guys? And why don't they play better? And the fact that they're not beating these guys by 24 points instead of four points, doesn't that mean that they're not going to match up with the Suns and Warriors in the playoffs? That's what's unsaid, but is implied in all the questions that come Quinn Snyder's way. And he knows it. He can probably hear fans during the game. And he certainly hears the media questions after the game. And if he doesn't read what's out there on social media or what's buzzing around the community, he has people who hear it and tell him. And that can be family, that can be staff, you know, whatever. But it could be both, you know. He's too smart to be unaware. He's way too smart and too well-connected to be unaware of what his players are hearing from their spouses or girlfriends or extended family that come to visit or are watching games on the package out of town and texting. He knows. 
And he got the question after the game, and he addressed it, and basically came away saying, this was a good win. Well, under the theory that any win is a good win, and that the playoff seedings are decided by how many wins you have, not by whether you pass the eye test or not, he's got enough ground to stand on to make the argument. Having said that, any of us who used our eyeballs to watch the game would say, that was not a good win. It was not a good win. There were way too many flat spots in that game for that to have been a good win. And Quinn, who can be very detail-oriented, and we know from quotes from Alec Burks and multiple times from Rudy Gobert on our own show, you don't want to be in the video. He sees everything, and if he misses it, there's an assistant coach or someone in the front office, one of the video guys, who sees it. Not only Quinn misses very much, but if he does... There's an army of 20 or 30 people (laughs) ready to see it and say, hey, what about that? So he knows mistakes were made, but he chooses to frame it because there's probably too much negativity for his taste. Or there's an awareness in his mind that it doesn't matter on December 26th. It doesn't matter. What matters is, can you win the four games in May and win the four games in June? And I think this is one place the NBA has evolved, and all of you who have been fans since the days of Stockton and Malone, but really even not that long, even Boozer and uh, Williams and Kirilenko and Okur and that crew, when the game was played with less finesse and when it was played with more power around the basket, the team that was better was almost always better. Now, with everybody counting on the three, including the Warriors, who won three titles— and might well be getting ready to win a fourth. But with everybody counting on the three, you know, that can come and go a little bit. When you got Shaq and Tim Duncan, they don't come and go. They're Duncan. In the case of Tim Duncan, sometimes he's out there banking in 15-footers. But even he got a lot of points around the bucket and at the free-throw line. Shaq was a little iffy at the free-throw line. But Shaq was the biggest guy every night. So if you were the best team in December, there was a pretty good chance you'd be the best team in March, which meant there was a pretty good chance you'd be the best team in June when it was time to raise the trophy. And that's why those two guys combined to win championship after championship after championship after championship. And they won eight titles in nine years. They just kept giving it back and forth to each other, except for the one year for some unknown reason. Well, we know why. The coach was writing a book in the back of the bus, and the two star players hated each other. Uh, the Lakers lost to the Pistons. But other than that, they, the big guys just hand it back and forth. Now it's a little more iffy. And I think everyone is aware of that. I think Quinn knows it. I think Steve Kerr knows it. Some nights, the three doesn't fall. And when it's such a big part of your offense, if it doesn't fall, you're probably in trouble. So I think Quinn wants to make sure there aren't too many definitive statements made now because there's time to improve between now and then. He knows the team isn't consistent enough, and it's not passing the eyeball test. And I think he has the video sessions to pass that along. But what really matters is the guys think they're in the mix and keep applying themselves. And Maybe the team will make a move at the deadline. They'll strengthen it. Maybe they won't. We'll see how that plays out. But can they get to the point where they win? Now, on a night, they were not great on defense, and they gave up 116 points, and Dallas was playing guys who may not be in the league in a week or two. <laughs> it's everybody At this point, all these teams that are having COVID outbreaks are signing guys on 10-day contracts. And maybe they'll get another one, and maybe they won't, and you know we'll just have to see. But the Mavericks did enough to stay close. But in the end, the Jazz won. And they won 11-13, so the eyeball test isn't there yet. All right, here's Quint Snyder after the game, uh, and he'll get the question. You'll hear his response. Here's Quinn talking about the win over the Mavericks as the Jazz win on Christmas night, 120-116. to 
Quinn, what do you make of this one, given how many free throws there were and kind of how frantic it seemed to be uh, and, and kind of how close it was for the entire game, given that they were shorthanded? Yeah, I, I think, Andy, we can make too much of being shorthanded. You know, when, when you have, I mean, obviously, you know, with all respect to, to Luca and Hardaway and, and a lot of other guys, obviously, that, that weren't playing that are, you know, Luke and elite players and a lot of, you know, really, really good players. So, but having said that, you know, you, you get a guy like Jalen Brunson, um, you know, who can handle the ball and control the game at the point. Um, you know, Porzingis is a, is a difficult matchup and particularly in a game like tonight where they are um, shorthanded, you know, he's in some different situations. I, I thought, the frantic part of it was just us fouling, you know, and I, I thought that really hurt us, uh, particularly in the first quarter um, because it, it slows the game down, you know, it allows them to change defenses and, um, you know, we're not able to play it at a pace that we want. Um, but, you know, everybody, you know, this team, you know, beat Minnesota, they're, you know, they're, you know, you look at it throughout the league, I think it's been consistent when, Sometimes teams are short, shorthanded or depleted. It used to happen to us in, in the D League all the time. Um, you know, there's guys that are just waiting, you know, for opportunities and they're playing without any fear. You know, Pinson sitting big shots. Lakina played very well. You know, so um, I, I thought, to be honest with you, I thought, you know, I don't, you know, roster, no roster, our roster, their roster. I thought it was a really good win, particularly given Christmas Day. Um, 8.30 game, you know, I thought our guys, you know, didn't get off to a great start, but I, I thought we really buckled down and it was a good win. Quinn, in the first half and the first quarter, while fouling definitely was an issue, what did you see maybe on the defensive end that um, kept you guys maybe from kind of breaking that lead, um, especially in, in that first quarter? Yeah, you know, I, I thought – Early on, we, we played good defense on, on Jalen Brunson, and it um, he made a couple tough shots over the top of us. Um, and then, as I said, and you mentioned, I thought, you know, Porzingis, when we came over even with our bigs, you know, we went for shot fakes and put him on the line. So um, they got a few things with those two guys, and I thought that settled them in. Um, and it gave the rest of their team, you know, confidence and when when that happens and you know you follow that with the, the ball seems to go in um so i you know again you know i don't i don't think i think i think we were ready to play um we weren't as sharp mentally there was a couple transition defense situations where we got caught backpedaling so a lot of little things like that that, that really really add up Q, uh jc didn't have a great night shooting the game but he contributes in other ways, eight rebounds, four assists. He had a couple nice uh, defensive plays, especially, you know, midway and late through the fourth quarter. What can you say about just the ways that he's able to start kind of impacting the game now beyond just uh, his usual scoring? You know, he's, he's locked in, you know, and I think, you know, he has the ability when he's in the lane, you know, to, to score, but also, you know, to draw people and make plays. And, you know, he's poised in there. You mentioned defensively, there was one time, 
you know, it looked like they were going to get a late bounce pass, you know, to a big, to a roller. And he cracked down from the, um, from the perimeter and got a hand on the ball. And, um, again, you, you mentioned it. I, I thought, you know, his aggressiveness, getting loose balls, you know, getting rebounds in a crowd. And, you know, there was a couple times he could have had a few more assists. I thought he made a few passes that, you know, we could have converted and normally do, but, um, I, I think, We've told him too. You know, we're not going to judge him on whether the ball goes in or not. You know, he's trying to take good shots and involving people and playing defense. And boy, that's—I'll take that any day of the week. All right, there is Quinn Snyder. Now here is Rudy Gobert, and Rudy, who's been pretty hard on the teams uh, at times, also uh, presented it more as a mixed bag. You know, with some positives and some negatives. Here's Rudy after the game. Rudy, you guys um, are twenty-two and nine. Um, uh, get, getting through Christmas, uh, you're approaching January where you guys are going to see a lot of good teams. Where do you assess where you guys are at right now? And, and what are your thoughts on, on where you guys are at right now? I think we, obviously, 2029 is not bad when you look at it, but uh, when, when you look at the few games that we lost, we should have won, uh, you know, and just on a few little details or you know, last second shots or games that we were, you know, we didn't play the right way and then we let slip away. Um, you know, we could be, could be 20, we could have 26 wins right now. So it's, uh, for, for me, I think it's just, we got to keep getting better. You know, even tonight, uh, you know, they scored 116 points. Um, you know, uh, it, it's a good win, obviously, but it should, uh, yeah, we, should, we shouldn't get used to that. We don't want to get used to giving up 116 points, and we got a. Obviously, we've been we've been better offensively. That has been our best offensive year over the since I've been here. But uh, we're gonna keep our identity too defensively, and when we do that, we we're gonna score even more. So just uh, just a lot of room to to grow uh, and keep getting better. Rudy, where do you think the issues were in the in the first half? I think we started the game. Um, they were they were really comfortable. You know, we, we let them. Uh, we 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 weren't physical. Uh, you know, we weren't pressuring the ball. Um, I was a little too low also on the screen. They just got a little comfortable, and uh, and also we turned the ball over. You know, a few times, and uh, they were able to score in transition off of turnovers, or off of like long missed shots so you know we we know that we need to we've had that in the last two games uh you know especially against teams that are missing uh key players usually we 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 need to yeah we need to lock in a little more and then and i think we need to start the game as if we you know we're down 10 or down 15 and if we do that i think we're gonna set the tone uh and we've done that you know but it's just got to be consistent regardless of who we play, who is injured. Uh, you know, if we want to be the, the team that we can be, I think we, we're going to have that mindset every single night, uh, you know, and compete with ourselves, you know, no matter who we play. Andy Lassen, Sublet Tribune. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, there were a ton of fouls tonight, a ton of free throws, right? So I'm curious, how much of that do you think was refereeing? How much of that do you think was you guys not being in the right spots defensively? Kind of what did you see out there that made the game as kind of frantic and as foul heavy as it was? 
I was a little bit of both, to be honest. But uh, I think uh, it's on us for the most part. You know, we we a small defensive team, and and we can put the team, we can put somebody on line twenty twenty one times in in, in a half. You know, uh, you know, it's it's discipline. We got to show our hands, uh, especially having me back there. You know, uh, like let, let's make guys. We want to make guys earn the points. You know, if they're gonna make contested shots. Let them make contestant shots, but we can't. Yeah, we got to be better. Uh, usually, we, we've been great doing that, but tonight we, you know, we we we, we reach down a little too much, and we we bear them out. You know, we bear them out. We instead of them taking tough shots, we we send them to the line, and, and then they get this. They get to set their defense too. We're not able to run, so it's um, it's uh, it's something that we we've been good, and we're gonna be good at. It. You know, we, we have a little slippery slip today, but we, we'll be better. Rudy, where have you seen uh, JC really kind of start to have more impact on the team aside from just his usual scoring? Uh, JC's been amazing. He's been, uh, you know, his, his growth as a, as a player this year, you know, I think he's, you know, his maturity, the way he now is looking to, to make the right plays, looking for his teammates. Uh, you know, he's been, uh, he's been great for us. And the second unit now is like, you know, I feel like it's because JC is doing that, you know, the balance offensively is, is amazing. And he's still shooting the ball. He's still very aggressive. He's still scoring. But him being able to, to find his teammates and punish the defense for, you know, for helping on him. Uh, you know, takes us to another level, and uh, it's credit to him. You know, he's been he's been working on it. You know, he's been watching a lot of film too, and uh, and uh, it, it takes our team to another level. All right, there is Rudy Gobert. Now, before we get to Donovan Mitchell, uh, here's the deal with Mitchell. All the basketball aside, uh, there's a couple things, and, and some of this, um, you know, I watch it on uh, I watch it on Zoom and on the audio. You can pick some of it up, but. Um, He's going to get asked a question. As he sits down, he looks down, he says, yikes. He's clearly looking at the stat sheet. And uh, Deseret News reporter Sarah asks him, uh, you know, what was that yikes about? It's about his plus minus. Now, plus minus isn't everything, okay? But generally speaking, if you're a pro basketball player, you want the team to be winning when you're on the court. <laughs> so you want a positive number next to your team. Now, in any one game, crazy stuff happens. And depending on how both your coach and the opposing coach uh, use their substitution patterns, uh, your number can be better or worse. And I think one of the all-time easy examples to remember is when Howard Isley was brand new at the Jazz and he had to play because the Jazz didn't have a good backup point guard for Stockton. And Stockton couldn't go 48 minutes because he was in his 30s. Um, they would play Isley with the other four starters, and John would be the only one out of the game. And Isley's plus minus always looked good because he'd bring the ball up court, he'd throw it to Jeff Hornacek, he'd get the heck out of the way and not muck stuff up and let Hornacek and, and Malone go to work. And if Russell Ostertag had to help, fine. As Isley got better, all of a sudden he was out there with the second unit. And it didn't always go as well, but they were resting all the starters. And Isley would get out there with Shannon Anderson, well, Brian Russell, maybe not all starters were resting, but a lot of them were resting. Stockton Malone and Hornacek could be resting. And those guys, if they just went out there and held their own and only got outscored by two or four points, that was a huge win. Because when the starters came back in, you were getting crushed. So you got to be careful with plus minus. You know, who are you on the court with? 
How many of your team stars are on the bench when you're out there? And who do you have to go against? That's the other thing. So, you know, are the other team stars out there? Are you going against the other team's second teamers? Because your coach is using you carefully. But nonetheless, player Donovan Mitchell's status does not want to look down and see minus 18 for his plus minus. My team is getting worked when I'm on the floor. That's not good. Not not good at all. And Mitchell went for 33 points. He scored it. But he only had three rebounds. He only had three assists. Uh, you know, those numbers could have been a little better. He only shot one of seven from three. What he did was get to the free throw line to be real efficient. And here when free throws are supposed to be down, this game, oh, man, 72 free throws, most in the NBA this year. 35 of them for the Mavs and 37 of them for the Jazz. That's a lot of free throws. Uh, but the really telling thing to happen with Donovan is that he had to go. He had to leave the game and go to the locker room. And what happened? And he came back, and he played pretty well. But you could tell at times he landed once after a layup. He was clearly in pain. Uh, a couple other times running up and down court, he was just wincing. Uh, not getting hit or anything, just jogging, changing ends after a, after a free throw or after a bucket or whatever. Uh, and he got worked on on the bench once when all the cameras were focused on him. And he said after the game, uh, you know, it's his back, but he says it's fine now. Okay, that's what he said after the game on Saturday. But then on Sunday, the word comes out, he's not traveling with the team. He's not going to the next two games. They're at San Antonio tonight, and then they go to uh, Portland, and he's not playing in those two games. Now, will he not play more games after that? I suspect he'll be back, but there's no guarantees. We'll just have to see how that plays out. Uh, it's not a good sign when you're in mid-20s and you have back problems. And it could be nothing. These could be the only two games he misses all year, and it could be fine. But it's also a little on the worrisome side. Uh, back problems have been a problem for lots of players in lots of sports, and no Jazz fan wants back problems anywhere near Donovan Mitchell. So here's Donovan after the game. A little bit about the game, a little bit about the uh, the plus minus, and a little bit about his back injury. And he completely downplays it, although now we know he's not going on the trip. All right, here's Donovan Mitchell. Donovan, I think we've talked about this a little bit when you guys have had um, like double-digit leads that and you've let them slip a little bit. But is it concerning maybe that you know, against a team that's missing a lot of people. And I know, I know that you guys are going to say that, you know, you have to be ready to play against anyone and it's the NBA, but to, to be down that, that much at the start of the game and to kind of have to fight through one. No, I don't think it's disturbing. I think, you know, first off, you know, I know, like you said, I was going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway, like I know they're missing Luca, but you know, Jalen Brunson, you know, is a hell of a player. Um, Frank Mean King was a hell of a defender. Chris Stapps is Chris Stapps. You know, so they got guys, they got chemistry, they got flow. And they were they were executing really well. And they took they capitalized on us not executing, you know. So the biggest thing is how you respond, you know. So it's it's one thing to sit here and say, man, it keeps happening, but how are we responding? You know, I think is the biggest thing for us to pull out a win. You know, last year, I don't know if we, you know, pull this one out, you know, the way we did, you know, that's the sign of growth and continuing to grow as a team. And it's not always going to be pretty, man. It's not going to be, you know, sunshines and rainbows. You know, you would think, you know, with guys out at the typically everybody's like, Oh, you know, they're going to come out and we're going to come out and do what we do. But at the end of the day, those sometimes are the tougher, tougher games to be honest. Cause you don't really know what's going to happen. You know, when Luke is out there. You kind of know where it's going and it's, it's happens, you know, like that, but you got to give credit where credit is due to them. They executed the game plan and, you know, but at the end of the day, we were able to do what we do and, and continue to fight and continue to plug away. And, you know, I think that's that's what we're most focused on. How do you guys deal with some of the dynamic guys that you see? Like you, you saw, you know, Jalen Brunson, who's dynamic at the point of attack tonight. 
you're going to see, you know, DeJounte and, and, and Derek and Keldon uh, on Monday. You're going to see Dame on Wednesday. And then you're going to see Steph uh, next week. I mean, so, you know, what do you yeah. what do you say to the fact that that allows you guys to, to work on a lot of this stuff that you want to work on it? And, and how do you deal with seeing all those guys consecutively? Yeah, I think it, it's, I, I can equate that to the road trip we just had before. Um, you know, when I told y'all, you know, it's a big road trip for us, just kind of see where we're at. And this is the same thing, you know, kind of just seeing where we're at as, as a group. You know, you have, you know, tonight, you know, you got Jalen Brunson attacking in the mid-range. You got Chris Staff posting up this game plan there. You got tomorrow, you know, moving the ball, keeping our man in front, you know, against uh, the Spurs. Then you got Dame, who's the point of attack uh, the next day, the next game. Then you come back, It's I think it's Minnesota again, you know, and then we got Steph, you know. So there's different game plans, but at the end of the day, you know, we got to go out there and execute it. And I think that's what we, you know, I think for us, just building game by game, you know, and understanding that, you know, this each game calls for different schemes, calls for different things, but the consistent things we got to defend and we got to lock in. And I think we, you know, we ended up doing that throughout the course of the game. It's like I said, it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be rough, but, you know, continuing to do that against, you know, this upcoming trip. And then when we come back um, and staying locked in, it's not going to be easy, but, you know, I'm, I think we're looking forward to it. Donovan, I think when you sat down, you uh, looked at the box score and said, yikes. <laughs> I'm curious what you were looking at. Minus 18, Andy. Unacceptable. Um, you know, that that's kind of where I'm looking at it, you know, and, and sometimes the plus minus is skewed. Sometimes it's, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, minus 18. Boyan even said it to me as well. You know, we could be better uh, as, as a group, you know, and I think that's, that's really where it's at. Never settling and always trying to find ways to get better. I think tonight, you know, the minus 18 can be brought up. Maybe it's defensively, maybe it's offensively. However it is, I'll go back and look at it and figure it out. But that's where the yikes came from. And then I want to ask, uh, you you sat for a minute or went to the locker room with a back issue of some sort? Kind of what happened there? Yeah, um, when I threw the pass to Mike, you know, it just – I don't really know how to describe the feeling, but it's just like when you can't move, you get to kind of stand straight up. Uh, but I got worked on and, you know, I dunked right after that. So I was all right. He's frozen. Nope, he's not frozen. Okay. It seemed like you had a little bit of extra emotion, especially at the end of the game. You threw the ball up, even hit the scoreboard. What was uh, part of that? Man, it's Christmas. It's a Christmas game, man. Like, you know, I, I said it in the post-game interview, man. Like, this, I grew up watching these games from 12 to 12. <laughs> um you know, just wanting to be here in this position. Um, you know, I know how I feel about being in the NBA. I've, I've said it many times in interviews. But to play on Christmas, it's special. You know, it means, one, we're doing something right as a group, as a team. Uh, but as well, it's just an honor, man. It's like the biggest holiday in, in sports for us. And, you know, to be able to play on that day, it's extra emotion, extra drive. And <clears throat> I think Ryan asked me the other day, you know, is it different, you know, when guys are out or whatever. Like, no, man, it's, it's playing on Christmas. My mom's birthday's tomorrow. Got your family in town. Like, you know, this is what you ask for, you know, when you're, you're a kid. It's, just, it's one step shot from the playoffs. You know, I mean, everybody's excited. Everybody's locked in on your game. There's only five of them. And, you know, watching the games, leading up, watching guys compete. It's, it's, it's honestly, man, it's like, it's, it's truly a blessing. And I'm, I'm, I'm having fun. You know, I think that's the biggest thing, having fun with something that I've wanted to do as a kid. Uh, so to be out there playing on Christmas, you know, I think that's where that drive and passion comes from. <clears throat> and just having a great time doing the game I love on a, on a, on a day like today. All right. 
you know, kind of piggybacking off that a little bit. What does it mean to hear the MVP chance coming from the fans on Christmas day in a game that means that much to you? Yeah. I missed a free throw, man. It can't happen. If, if I want to be that, it can't happen. Right. <laughs> nah, but like I said, man, it's, it's truly a, a blessing to be able to, to just have that chant in general, you know, it's not no secret. I'm not going to say like, I don't hear it. You know, it's obvious, but you know, it's the biggest thing is just continuing to find ways to win with the, throughout the team. And my teammates trust me. Um, my coaches trust me. I go out there and try and do what I do on a nightly basis. But on a night like tonight, you hear that, you know, I'm, I'm doing my thing. It's, it's something as a kid, you know, I wouldn't have dreamed of, you know, so it's, it's truly, like I said, very appreciative of playing on this day, as you guys can kind of tell, because this is, this is truly special for me. And, just to have that happen, I think it's, it's incredible. So I'm thankful, and uh, yeah, Merry Christmas to, to you all. So thank you. There's Donovan Mitchell after the game. And now for a little more, here is Jordan Clarkson, who once again provided a real spark, had a spectacular dunk in the game Thursday. Just an outstanding dunk. Came back with uh, 12 points, 8 rebounds, and 4 assists. Did not shoot the ball well, but did a lot of other stuff. His 12 points came on 4 of 13 shooting. That's not good. Uh, but he had the 8 rebounds, which is a big deal. And he had the 4 assists, which is a big deal. And the team was plus 22 when he was on the court. The bench played great. When Rudy Gay and Clarkson and Ingles got in there, the Jazz went on some runs. Here's Jordan Clarkson after the game. Jordan, um, be honest with me. Which would you rather have, uh, a steal that gets the crowd fired up or hitting a three in someone's face? Uh, I mean, the three is pretty lit. I've been shooting the ball like trash this year, but uh, – Right now, I think the steal, um, playing hard, uh, just bringing that energy, I think that's been a, a real big uh, thing for me um, this whole year. Even though, you know, shots ain't falling like I want them to. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm just trying to find different uh, facets of the game that I could affect the game and impact it. So right now, probably a steal, getting us in transition and, and getting a uh, lob to either Hassan or, or Rudy. JC, you've talked about how like defense has been a big focus for you this year and, and you want it to be a big focus. And I'm curious kind of like what the day-to-day of that is like. Is that you working on that at practice? Is that you watching more film than you used to? I mean, kind of what is at the actual difference in, in your defense this year versus years previous? Uh, getting a little bit more sleep, uh, taking some naps. Um, just focusing on that end. Um, you know, I, sometimes I'm not always there uh, defensively, uh, sometimes uh, mentally, but uh, just coming in when I know it's time and we need it. And, uh, you know, I, I really got to lock in on that end and uh, make plays. You know, I, I feel like I'm uh, giving more effort on that end. So for me, it's just uh, just all a mindset, um, knowing that, you know, if I – start on the defense end, offense is just going to come. So um, that's what I've just been trying to hold my hat on this year and uh, bring energy on that end. Kind of piggybacking off of what Andy asked, are you, are you guys a team that, that, you know, is built to defend in the regular season or are you guys a team that's more defend, built to defend over the course of a, of a seven-game playoff series? Uh, uh, shoot, we built to defend anything, uh, to be honest with you. I think we've been trying to figure all that out uh, this year. 
just from the series and uh, experiences that we had last year in the playoffs. Um, I think we've been trying to make a bunch of, you know, changes and, um, you know, really focusing on that end and putting our hard hat on when it comes to that. So uh, when the playoffs come, I think, uh, you know, we'll be more prepared and ready for that. You know, we've been doing a lot of different things defensively, uh, I think, in a regular season. So uh, we'll be ready. All right, there's Jordan Clarkson coming up next. What is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.